Thank you, Doug. Good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. I see a lot of Christmas jumpers out here, which is great. Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, I want to start off the talk today by asking a question, and it's one to discuss with your neighbor, to talk about with the people next to you. And the question to start off is, at Christmas, who do you follow? Who makes the rules in your house at Christmas? Who sets the agenda? Who decides what happens when? Talk about that amongst yourselves. I'll call you back in just a minute. Great. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to have a guess at some of the answers that have gone out there. I've heard from, from these two back here. I'm going to have a guess at some of the answers, and you just tell me if I'm on the right track or not. So I see some excited-looking children and I see some tired-looking parents. So I'm going to guess that the start of Christmas, the opening of presents, the kids set the rules. The kids wake up nice and early. Am I right? Any hands for kids? You guys set the rules at the start, don't you? They certainly do in our family. We've got woken up way too early. Um, but we are in church this morning, aren't we? Um, which means that that is probably mom and dad's schedule. So we actually have some photos to go with it there. There's the kids opening up the presents. That's the kids' part. And we've made it to church this morning. That's probably more the parents getting us, getting us all to church on time. That's the kids want to be at home playing with presents, don't they? So at this point, it's the, it's the parents setting the schedule. And after church, well, I'm guessing lots of people have got some sort of Christmas lunch planned. So around about this time, it's the chef that sets the agenda. Hey, whoever's done the cooking, when food is ready, get to the table pronto. They are the ones that set the schedule then. And what happens after lunch? Probably lots of different, lots of different agendas. I'm going to bet that some people watch a Christmas movie of some sort. There's a photo. There's Father Christmas watching a, watching a Christmas movie on that TV there. Or maybe some people play a board game. Maybe you've got some nice presents to open. So then maybe you're following the TV schedule or the, the play schedule. Well, back in the old days, back in the time when Matthew's writing the story, people had no choice about who to follow. You followed your king. It didn't matter if you had a bad hairstyle. didn't matter if you didn't like him. didn't matter if you had a stinky breath. That was the king. You had to follow him. There was no choice. And as we turn to this passage in Matthew, the one that Doug read for us, we see that it's actually quite hard here. The tricky part is working out who is the king. Who should the characters follow? Who's the king they have to follow? So we're going to try to work that out. We're going to have a look through the passage and see who is the king. And kids, I'm going to need your help with this one, because we're going to see how many kids are mentioned in this passage. I was thinking about bringing some sweets to dish out as prizes if you get the right answer, but you've probably all had more than enough chocolate for breakfast, so we're going to skip on that one. I hope the parents are, are fine with that. And we're just going to see how many kings we can, we can count. But before you answer, there is a trick question here. Okay, there, you've got to watch out. There is a trick somewhere. It might have something to do with the hymn that we just sang. Um, so see if we can work it out. And the good news is all of the answers are in verses 1 and 2. So right at the start of the reading, if you've still got your Bible open, if you look through verses 1 and 2, you'll see all the kings mentioned right there at the start. 
So the first king is mentioned in verse 1, and it's a very bad king. It's a very uh, evil, naughty king. Can anyone see it in their Bible? Anyone brave enough to shout out? Lana, yes. King Herod, that is absolutely perfect. King Herod is the king. We can see the verse there. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came from Jerusalem. So there he is. Nice, easy one. So Matthew, he's writing this book. He wants it to be super obvious. Everyone must see it. King Herod, he really spells it out for us. Now there's another group mentioned in that verse, um, a group of what we often assume is three. Does anyone know who we're talking about? Were they kings? Yes, Evan. The wise men, the magi, yes. And were they kings? Yes, no, lots of different answers. They actually weren't. We, the, the song we've just sung talks about we three kings, and people often assume they were kings, but actually we don't know that. And we don't even know that there were three of them either. Um, they gave three gifts, so that makes us assume that maybe there were three of them, but there could have been a whole lot more. Maybe there were a hundred of them all descended. We don't actually know that. And then there's one more king mentioned in those first two verses. Does anyone know who that is? Evan, it's good that you know I'm looking for new faces. I heard someone say it. Is he over there? King Jesus, yes. Bonus point if anyone can tell me which verse or which part that refers to it. Yes, Lana. Verse 1, yes, it does. It dimensions his name in verse 1. And what does it say in verse 2? Verse 2 gives even more of a clue. I'll put the verse up there. Verse 2, and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? So Matthew's making it really obvious here that we're talking about kings. We're talking about royalty. We're talking about who to follow. So he says, the king of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So how many kings do we have? Did everyone follow through that whole story? How many kings are we talking about here? Yes, Julia. Four. Well, it depends whether we count the Magi or not. If we don't count the Magi, then it's probably two. Hey, it's probably King Herod and King Jesus fighting it out to see who is king. So there we've, got, there we've got the kings, and one of them is the real king, and one is the imposter. Jesus is the new king. He is born, and in these short few verses, even while he's a baby, we see a whole lot of different reactions to Jesus being born, to him becoming king. So let's have a look at some of these reactions and see how people react to King Jesus. We can even give them marks for how well they react. So what we've done is we've organized some lights. There's lots of Christmas lights at the moment. Everyone's got Christmas lights on their tree. We've organized some lights at the back that Andy's going to switch on later. And just like a traffic light, we've got green for good, we've got orange for doing okay but not great, and we've got red for bad. Okay, so each character that reacts here, we're going to give them a score for how well they're doing. We're going to give them a light. So kids, once again, we're going to be in your hands here. We need your help. So who are the first characters in the story? Who's the first people that we see? The first ones that do something are our favorite ones, the magi, the wise men. So they make a great effort to follow the right person. Imagine they are far, far away. They see a star in the sky. They're very wise, so they know what the stars are meant to do and what they're meant to look like and when they're meant to move away. And there was something different about this one. And it's enough to make them jump onto their camels and come and investigate. They traveled about 550 miles. So on a camel, that's about 70 days. 70 days of traveling to come and investigate. Can you imagine being on a camel for 70 days? I can tell you, because I 
happened to ride a camel about a year ago, it is the most uncomfortable thing you will ever be on. You feel like you're going to fall every second. They don't smell great. There's a lot to not enjoy about riding on a camel. And these guys did it for 70 days. So they're doing pretty well so far. I think it's also worth mentioning, it's worth noting, that the first people to recognize Jesus were not actually from God's people. They were not from Israel, from God's chosen nation. They were these magi from a completely different land. So Jesus coming, the first thing he's showing, even while he's a baby, is that he is for absolutely everyone. He's not just for his chosen people. He is going to be God and he's going to be king for the whole world, for people from all cultures, all countries. So what color should we give the magi? Who thinks they've done well? Who thinks they've done badly? Can I, can I have hands up for green? Who thinks they've done a good job? Yes, pretty unanimous. Okay, they're doing a good job. Let's see if our traffic lights work. There's Andy at the back. Yes, okay, we have green. Green for the Magi, so they're doing pretty well so far. Thank you, Andy. The next one in the story, so that's the Magi. They're coming along to visit, and they ask Herod a question. So Herod's now involved. He is our second character. So let's have a little picture of naughty King Herod. Um, so the Magi ask him, they say, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Herod does not react well to this question. Sorry, there's the green traffic light for them. And here's King Herod, and he doesn't react well to the question. It's a bit like if you're in school, and someone walks into your classroom and says to your teacher, where's the new class teacher? Imagine that happens. They walk in and they say, where's the new class teacher? Your teacher would probably get a little bit of a fright. They would probably say, hold on a second. I'm the class teacher. What do you mean, new teacher? Is someone coming to take my place? Am I about to be replaced? And they would get very, very worried. Well, that is exactly what happens to Herod here. Herod responds in the same way. He says, I'm the king. Who's this new king you're talking about? And he gets very, very worried about this. Um, so he responds in the same way. He shows that he's worried. And look at the sentence there. Sorry, these slides are jumping around all over the place. Let me see if I can get back to King Herod. It's sometimes doesn't connect fully. I think we're back. There we go. So King Herod heard about this. He was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. I absolutely love that sentence, the way it's phrased. Herod's disturbed. The whole of Jerusalem is disturbed with him. Can anyone imagine why? Yes, Evan. Exactly. Making a king angry is not a good idea. When a powerful ruler with irrational temperament and violent tendencies gets disturbed, it's a good idea for everyone else to also get disturbed. So Herod doesn't react well. He wants to be king. He wants to be the only king. And he's worried Jesus is going to take the crown from him. So what do we think of his reaction? Is everyone happy with a red? Yeah, thumbs down. I like it. He, he has reacted pretty badly. Let's give him a red light over there. He has not done well. So he calls in our next characters. There's a red for King Herod. He calls in our next characters, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. So, so far, we've got these guys. We've got the Magi. We've got the King Herod. Now we get on to the next one, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They turn out to be the opposite to Magi. They understand the good news, but they're just a little bit too lazy. They're a little bit too wrapped up in their own affairs to actually care what's going on. Isn't that sad? They have the right answer. They know it all. If you have a look through the verses there, 
they quote it absolutely perfectly. They say, yes, we know the Messiah, and we know he's meant to be born in Bethlehem. And there's a lot of stuff happening in Bethlehem at the moment. Uh, the stars have aligned, people are traveling there, but you know what? We just couldn't be bothered. It's just a little bit too far. Imagine knowing where treasure is buried. Imagine gold, silver, jewels. Imagine knowing where it's buried. You're the only one. And just deciding, you know what? Maybe next year. I don't want to go now. It's a little bit too far to walk. That is what the teachers of the law have done here. If we have a look at this map, you can see right at the bottom there, Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Those two, those two cities are six miles apart. So they are in Jerusalem. Bethlehem, six miles away, is where this baby's been born, and they decide not to go. Now, I know they didn't have cars, I know they didn't have trains or aeroplanes, but it's about a two-hour walk. In fact, if you go on a camel, it's even less. So it's not that far. For such a special occasion, they should have gone. So that's the, the chief priests, that's the teachers of the law. They don't do anything terrible, they don't do anything great, they're just chilling in the middle. They're just too preoccupied with their family, their work, whatever they've got going on. Are we happy to give them an orange light? Amber, everyone okay with that? Cool, I think we have a yellowy, a yellowy amber light there for, for the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then the story moves back to King Herod, and we see two reactions from him here. The first, if you follow it in your Bible, the first is in verse 7. He's sneaky, sneaky King Herod. He calls the Magi secretly, and he tries to trick them. He pretends he's part of the good team. He asks for information because he wants to worship them as well. But actually, he's got evil intentions. He's part of the bad team. So he's sneaky. And then we also see that Herod is horrible. He's horrendous. We're not going to go into too much detail in this happy Christmas family service. But if you do want a sneak peek, have a look down in verse 16 in one of the, one of the future readings. Chapter 2, verse 16. And you'll see the bad intentions that Herod's got and the bad things that he does. He wants to stay king. He's determined to stay king at all costs. And he does a lot of bad things to make sure that he's the one who stays king. Who's heard of the TV show? Sorry, there's the orange light going back to the chief priests. There's Herod trying to, trying to be sneaky, trying to trick the Magi. And there's him being absolutely horrible. And who's heard of the TV show Horrible Histories? Yes, quite a few hands. Horrible histories, Herod is a prime example. He deserves his own TV show. I know we've got things like the terrifying Tudors and the violent Vikings. I think King Herod deserves his own segment. Maybe they can call him Horrendous Herod. So for our traffic light system, this is probably the easiest question ever. He's definitely a red, isn't he? He's trying to kill people. He's being sneaky. He's lying. He's all-out opposition. His aim is to destroy Jesus. That's all he wants to do. And then we have the last scene, the last bit of action in the story, and that is our favorite ones. We are back to the Magi. How do they finish off? Well, if you're following, have a look in verse 10. They see the star. What's their reaction? It says in verse 10, they are overjoyed. That is the right reaction to King Jesus. They are overjoyed. Verse 11, they bow down and worship. They bring him gifts. What sort of gifts? Gold, because he's a king. Frankincense, because he's God. And myrrh, because one day he will die for our sins. For the rating system, it's another super easy one. It's definitely green from Magi. They have done fantastically. So there we have all the different characters to our story. And if we summarize their ratings, 
we can see a nice bit of symmetry to the picture there. It almost looks like an arrowhead. And surprisingly, at the center are the chief priests, the teachers of the law. They're not central to the story, but the structure that Matthew's given it here leaves them in the middle. And I think the reason he's done this is that their message is central to, to what is happening in the story, and that is the fact that they point out that this birth has been prophesied at least 700 years before. They quote from the book of Micah, and they show that, that God has intended this all along. God's own son has been born. It's a massive event. Did anyone notice how many strange things are happening in the story? We've got stars behaving weirdly. We've got God using dreams to send people messages to keep, to keep Jesus safe. And we've got God telling us about this in the Bible more than 700 years before that. So this reading is really right at the center. It's ironic that it's delivered by these lukewarm, rather lazy chief priests and teachers of the law, but God is still working through them. So these days, in our modern times, if we want to discover Jesus, we don't need to jump on an uncomfortable camel and traipse across the desert. We don't need to study the stars and try to work out what's going on in the skies. We can just open our Bible. It's been prophesied there, and we can read all about King Jesus. So as we start to close off, I'm going to finish with a slightly different question to the one we started with. And that question is, what is your response to King Jesus? We've got various different possible responses, don't we? We've got red, green, orange. What is your response? Maybe you're sitting here today and you think, you know what, I'm a red. I'm opposed to Jesus. I don't like God. If that's you, well done for still making it to church today. That is, that is very good. Um, and I would just like to say that while we can choose the red light to be like King Herod, there's a few things to note in the story. One of them is that King Herod lives out the rest of his life and then he dies. His plans don't work, do they? He doesn't get to ki kill King Jesus. He can't hold on to his power forever and ever. These days, he's just a footnote in history. So if that's you today, the invite is open to stop opposing God, stop opposing his plans, and rather follow him. Maybe your reaction is orange. If so, I think that is the majority of people in the world. Uh, their reaction is something along the lines of, I like Jesus, I like like what he stands for, he's probably a decent guy, but it's quite a lot of hard work, and I've got a lot of things going on at work at the moment, you know, school's keeping me very busy, I've got my family, I've got my hobbies, so thanks Jesus, but maybe in a few years. I'm not interested right now, but I've got nothing against you, just couldn't really be bothered to follow either. If that's you, I think it's worth noting the point of a traffic light system is either to stop, so you've avoid all the other cars, or to drive. The orange is just sort of sitting in the middle. Hey, it's not really making a decision. It's just waiting. And we don't want to just sit waiting in the middle of nowhere for a very long time. So this Christmas, please can I encourage you to make a decision. Dig a little bit deeper. Try and work out who do you think Jesus was? Who do you think he is? If you'd like to find out more, we run a great little course. It's called Essentials. Uh, we're going to be running that in the new year. I think you would have got an invite as you came in. That's a chance to sit down, have some pizza, have a nice chilled chat, and just work out who do you think Jesus is. Lastly, maybe your reaction was green. Maybe you like the Magi. You follow Jesus, and you are pro-team Jesus. That is great, but I think you can still find this passage quite challenging. If we look at how the Magi reacted here, would we react as well in the same situation. 
So when I was thinking about it, I thought, wow, would I jump on a camel for 70 days to go look at a baby? I'm not sure I would. I know how uncomfortable camels are. I hope I would, but I'm not sure. Secondly, am I overjoyed like the Magi were? Am I overjoyed to spend time in Jesus' presence? Is that how I would describe my prayer life? My quiet times reading the Bible? Am I always overjoyed? And lastly, like the Magi, how often do I bring presents? They bought frankincense, gold, and myrrh. How often do I bring presents to Jesus? My time, my money, my efforts. How often do I bring that all to God? Or how often do I spend them on myself, my family, my work, my own hobbies? It can be quite challenging. So to close off, we asked right at the start, who do you follow at Christmas? Whose schedule are you on? And it matters a little bit whose schedule you're on. Don't be late for lunch. Uh, Make sure you listen to mom and dad. It matters a little bit. But it matters a lot who we follow for the rest of our lives. Jesus is our God. He's our king. And he dies for our sins. So let's follow him. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you that Matthew shows us right at the start uh, that you are a king and you are a king worth following. And as we celebrate your birth at Christmas and as we look forward to the new year, please let us make resolutions to, to follow you more faithfully and to decide who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.